Welcome to the Monogamous Marriage Podcast. We're Kate and Liam, married bisexuals a decade into our non-monogamous journey. We've been having sex with our friends for 10 years, and we're still madly in love with each other. We're the authors of the Monogamous Marriage blog, where we've been overthinking sex and love since 2016. This podcast is the place where we process our sexual adventures in real time. We are not experts, and nothing we say should be mistaken for professional advice. This show contains mature language and sexual content, so if you're under 18, it isn't for you. But if you're a fellow overthinker and you're not freaked out by unfiltered conversation, you're going to feel right at home. This is a subject I've been interested in talking about for a long time. We're going to talk about OnlyFans. OnlyFans is a website where individual creators, not necessarily of sexual content, but almost always of sexual content, can post their material and people can pay to view it. So we have been aware of OnlyFans for a while. We've thought about it and dismissed the idea and come back to it. Um, And finally, we took the plunge back in April of 2022. And you can find that by going to OnlyFans and searching Kate Monogamish, all one word, Or you can follow the links in our link tree on Instagram or Twitter or any of the other places you follow us on social media. So we're going to just outline some of the steps that brought us there and then talk about what our experience has been like so far on OnlyFans. First of all, I have to say something that was confusing to me at the beginning and maybe confusing to people listening, which is why would people pay to see amateur porn when there is so much free porn available on the internet of every imaginable type. Yeah, the internet is full of free porn, right? Twitter, you just have to scroll Twitter and you can get lots and lots of free porn. Um, So I don't know. That was one of the things I came up against. Why would people pay to watch me or to watch, you know, your MILF next door when they can get that on Pornhub for free? I think there are two dimensions to the appeal. One is the viewer has more of a sense that they are seeing an authentic display of sexual behavior. I remember the author, David Foster Wallace, once wrote an essay about attending the Adult Video News Awards back in the 1990s. And he interviewed a veteran consumer of porn. Now, there's a phrase no one wants engraved on their tombstone. <laughs> on their CV, yeah. Or on their CV. But he talked to this person and he said he watches explicitly for that one moment where reality seems to come through the glossy veneer of porn. And I think that's what OnlyFans provides. A sense that you're getting a glimpse of someone's authentic sexuality. And I think that's powerful because think about it. In our experience, we get to see people at work, at play, eating. That's how we make sense of our own behavior. But most people never see other people having sex. I mean, those of us who are non-monogamous, we get that opportunity, but most human beings never do. Anyway. Yeah, so we started exposing our authentic sexuality to the world on Twitter in 2018. So we did it initially to promote our blog. We had been writing about sexual things for a couple of years at that point, and we thought, well, I suppose we need to advertise with sexual things. So we started with fairly tame photos of me in lingerie or bikinis, Mm -hmm. maybe topless, always with my face edited out of the photos. And we really picked up speed on Twitter um, when we joined 30 Days of Lingerie in April of 2018. It was an initiative that was promoted by Kate from Wanderlust Swingers, Mm. and every day people would put up another photo of themselves in lingerie. So you just hashtag 30 days of lingerie and people could find and follow each other. Right. That sounds like a lot of pressure. Like you have to have 30 pieces of lingerie, don't you, to put a picture up every day? Yeah, I ended up buying a few pieces <laughs> just to to supplement my my already fairly large collection of lingerie to finish out the month. But I think there was there was something to that. Like it was kind of fun, even though you think, wow, why sign up to do this chore every day for an entire month? But you got into it. Yeah, it was it was fun to connect with people. We were making a lot of online connections that turned into real life friendships at that point. So I was already seeing the benefit of posting regularly and interacting with people. So I was seeing how we could grow a community that way. We now have 33,000 followers on Twitter. 
But that is the moment in 2018 when it really exploded. We were having trouble attracting people to our account. And somehow the regularity of the posting and the sense of community and support among the other people who were posting was really powerful and had a multiplying effect. Yeah, so that was a good experience. And it was also affirming to post photos of myself looking kind of sexy. We had been taking sexy photos for a long time at this point. But it was understood that they were just for us. So I enjoyed the artistic part. I think you enjoyed the posing. No, you don't enjoy posing, do you? Not really. I, I certainly don't like it when you're there directing. <laughs> I right. feel like Thanks. I'm a little more comfortable if I'm doing it on my own. So if I've got a selfie stick in my phone with the timer, that's where I'm most comfortable doing my posing. Yeah, no, I get that. But we had taken some great shots over the years. And this was now an opportunity to share that work with the world, to have an actual audience. Another interesting aspect of that was that there was a follow-up month, 30 Days of Mangerie, so an incredibly awkward title. But you can probably guess what the idea was. It's 30 Days of Men in Their Underwear. And I remember you challenging me, which will become a theme later on in this podcast. But you said, if I can do it, you have to do it. And I felt self-conscious because I had this old-fashioned, maybe sexist idea that displaying oneself in a sexual manner looks good on women, but looks dopey on men. That men want to see women that way, but women don't want to see men that way. But having said that, I'm also a bit of an exhibitionist. And this was an opportunity maybe to have permission to do that thing I otherwise felt didn't really fit in with my persona. After writing the blog for four years, we started a Patreon account. And a lot of people um, who do podcasts have a Patreon account and they offer different things as bonuses for their paid subscribers. I remember hearing from Jay and Kay from that couple next door that they were actually making a substantial amount of money on Patreon. Not substantial like buy a house or even buy a car, but pay for a vacation every year. And so it suddenly occurred to us that, hey, maybe we could do that. We had a group of enthusiastic followers of our blog. So the thing we offered rather than community chats or monthly Zoom calls was photos of us on our adventures. So often, just like Twitter, we would post photos of me in lingerie or bikinis or topless. And, and it was kind of like a, like a naughty Facebook. So every right. time we went on a trip or um, did a little getaway, we'd provide a photo album for our patrons. So once or twice a month, they would get updates with photos. And we managed to attract a fair number of people. Now, outside of that very contained 30 days of lingerie or 30 days of lingerie, which had a beginning, a middle, and an end. This was an ongoing commitment with a deadline built in so that we had to come up with something new every month because those Patreon pledges renewed every month. So we started to have to factor that into our decision-making. Like, we don't have many photos. Or as we went along, we started shooting videos. We don't have many videos in our inventory to meet our commitment of a monthly post. Right. And as often happens with these things, you start feeling like, well, I need to offer something different and something more. So right. we upped the ante and we started creating short videos of our sexual encounters. Right. But Patreon is not very sex positive, no, as most not. platforms are not. Um, and anytime you start collecting money in connection with sex, people get uncomfortable. So we found a way around that. We created a password protected page on our website. And then we would give our subscribers on Patreon the password, which renewed every month. And on that page, they could find fairly short, you know, four minute or less videos of me walking naked on the beach at Desire or me having a gangbang at Desire. Yes, very memorably, a gangbang at Desire. That was a fantastic video, by the way. You were awesome. Thank you. But unfortunately, Patreon discovered our little workaround and that was our first confrontation with censorship and it was brutal. So they sent us a letter saying, you are making reference on the Patreon page to sexual material outside of the Patreon servers and that is against our rules that you agreed to and you have to completely eliminate any reference to that material on the Patreon site. And that was major surgery. There was one time where I thought I had everything taken care of. And there was a picture of you with your hand on my thigh. 
and they interpreted that as sexual material. <laughs> right. I mean, we were naked, but they said nudity is not a problem. It's sexual contact that's a problem. Right. You even had to monitor the level of chubbiness of your cock shots, right? Yes. So if you are naked with a flaccid cock, that is okay by Patreon standards. But if your cock was past a certain level of inflation, well, then all of a sudden it was sexual. So. I know. So try having that conversation with a bureaucratic individual <laughs> whose job it is to spot incidences of sex on their site and eliminate them. Anyway, very frustrating, but we eventually met all their requirements. Right. But we were severely hobbled in yes. what we could offer our patrons. So we started looking around for other ways to share this content, which had been kind of fun to make. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a conversation with someone in Antigua in 2021. And it was the first OnlyFans creator we had met and actually had a conversation with. Right. And she talked about how she was making very good money at that point. Yeah, she was saying 20000 a month. Yeah, which seemed like a staggering amount. And I think she was mainly sharing foot fetish photos like it wasn't even a lot of explicit sexual content is that right yeah i forget what the details were and i never looked at her only fans page so i didn't have a membership and i i wasn't that curious but i was curious about the twenty thousand dollars a month <laughs> sure. because i always think of this parallel in terms of money you think wow twenty thousand dollars a month that's a lot but twenty thousand incremental dollars a month is an astounding amount of money it's life-changing money frankly of course, my problem with that mm -hmm. was I was a high school teacher. Right. And any implication of sexual deviance mm -hmm. in someone who works with children is not going to be well received at all. So I was very afraid of getting found out. So up until that point, everything I had ever put out on the internet had my head cut off. Right. There was no face connected with my naked body or any sort of sexual content anywhere. Right. And artfully cut off, by the way. It just looked like a <laughs> it just looked like a compositional decision made by the photographer artist. But yeah, we were very careful to retain some plausible deniability so that if you were confronted with this material, you could just say, It's not me. Apparently it's someone with the same proportions as me, <laughs> but not me, and they wouldn't really be able to prove it. And I have to add that for those of you who don't teach, and this is maybe particular to our situation in Ontario, there is a gruesome, almost medieval practice of when a teacher is found to be in contravention of the standards of the College of Teachers, they are shamed publicly in what's called the blue pages of the monthly teacher's publication. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Professionally Speaking is our monthly magazine, and people mainly just read it for the blue pages. So right. it's just gossip material. It's horrible. People publish your name and the school you teach at and exactly what you're accused of, even before you are proven innocent or guilty. They, they put the accusations out there in writing. So you do not want to be in the blue pages. No, that's a strong disincentive. So I fully supported your desire to be discreet in everything that we put forward. But $20,000 a month is game-changing money and makes you start to think about how could we make this happen within the constraints that we're dealing with? So we had dinner with Dave and Andy in Nashville in February. So for those of you who don't know, Dave and Andy were the founders of Double Date Nation. And then Andy got onto OnlyFans and she has now a very successful account called Only Andy. Right. And her work is, so forget about the sexy part because she's an unbelievably sexy woman. But the quality of their work is fantastic. They seem to put out like six tweets a day. I don't really follow them on TikTok, but I've seen a few of those. They're great. And they were making a lot of money when we talked to them. And I think for you, that was a bit of a turning point. Am I right about that? Well, yeah, because if I could make even half or a third of what they were making, I could quite easily quit teaching and replace my income. So that was obviously appealing. We travel a lot and, you know, teaching is a job that really requires you to to be there every day and yes. to work within the confines of the um, the school holidays. So I love the idea of being free of that and being able to make content and um, enjoy a, a freer life with you. So that was appealing. 
And I was still worried about being discovered and shamed at work. I didn't know how to start OnlyFans to kind of test the waters and see if I could indeed make enough money to replace my income before I quit. So I kind of needed to prove the concept first before I took the big leap at work of taking early retirement. So I wasn't quite sure how to navigate that. And you had other concerns too. So yes, there was a practical one. How can I maintain my position and viability as a teacher while I engage in a proof of concept experiment regarding online content creation on OnlyFans. But there was a psychological dimension too, wasn't there? Of course. Yeah. I mean, we all grew up in a pretty sex negative world, right? right? Whether you're religious or not, which we were. Yes. And so I had managed to get over the sex negativity in our interpersonal sexual connections. Yes, so I'll say. We have we have lovely connected friendships with people who we also have sex with and I do not feel bad about that. It's one of the reasons why I think you're amazing but also why people who have been with you say the same thing. You have managed to in a spectacular way get past the sex negativity in our culture. But of course, everyone has their limits. Right. And so for me, the limit was monetizing sex. Right. So I love sharing myself sexually, but I am not for sale. Right. I am not a prostitute. I don't like thinking of myself as a porn star. I'm a person who wants to have authenticity in all of my relationships and all of my connections. And so I thought if I get on OnlyFans and I start charging strangers money, Mm -hmm. to watch me have sex. What does that do to the sexual experience for me? How does it cheapen it? How does it make me feel about myself as a commodity? Right. Rather than as a, an individual. And um, I struggled a lot with it. So can you tell me how you got over that when we started the account? Well... <laughs> To be honest, I felt a little pressure from you. Okay. Um, so we had been talking for a few years about me retiring early. And after that conversation with Dave and Andy, finding out how much money they made, you were really gung-ho for this thing. Right. And you kept saying, you know, this would be your way to retire early. This is how you could do it. And... I thought, yes, I would love to have that freedom. I would love to retire early. Teaching has been difficult with uh, the pandemic the past few years, and I was feeling pretty worn out. So that was appealing. But I also thought about what Dave and Andy put into it. Like, he's an IT guy. He spends 10 hours a day. She spends 10 hours a day. Both of them are committed to this full time, and we do not have that level of, of freedom to commit ourselves jointly to this project. So I thought there's no way we're going to be as successful as them because we just don't have the energy and resources to do it the way they do it. And TikTok and Reddit scare me. I don't understand those platforms. I don't want to get on them. The day-to-day -day promotion work seemed onerous to me. So there were a lot of things that were holding me back. Right. But specifically on the moral dimension, how did you make peace with that within yourself? Well, I decided that I was not going to do anything for OnlyFans that mm. I wouldn't do if there were no cameras rolling and no money involved. Right. So every video I've ever posted has been me doing something I want to do with a person that I would be there with regardless of money. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like that's the thing that differentiates me from a porn star. Right. I'm not paid to show up on set and have sex with strangers. Right. I have sex with people I like, who I have chemistry with, who I have a good friendship or good connection with. And if they're willing to be on camera, awesome. Right. I can sell that and help supplement my income. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with having sex with strangers on camera for money, but I think... A, you had your own standard that you wanted to meet in mm. terms of what you would and wouldn't do. But also, I think ultimately, that's what people pay for on OnlyFans. The most successful people there, I would imagine, are the most authentic people. So if you started getting into that content creation trap where you're looking around for anyone who is willing to appear on screen with you and it doesn't have anything to do with your connection, well, then you're not going to be, I think, what the consumer is coming to OnlyFans for. Right. And we were confronted with that fairly early on in the process um, because we were coming back from Montana. And we talked about this in one of our previous episodes. And we were going to do a stopover in Denver. And a friend of ours on that Montana trip said, hey, I know a great single guy in Denver. We had a wonderful night a couple years ago. We've kept in touch ever since. Would you like to meet him? And that sounded appealing to both of us. But then I found out he had an OnlyFans account. Right. And that almost 
that changed my enthusiasm. I didn't want to meet him after that because I felt like, oh, this is going to be a cheap content creation hookup. I am not down for that. Right. I don't want to have sex with someone just to make a video to sell. I don't like right. that idea. Yeah. So it was very interesting. We had a, a long trip to Denver during which we discussed every aspect of what we might or might not do in relation to this person. So I think we finally settled on, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, saying, let's arrange dinner with him. And he's going to know it's on the table because he's going to know you're an OnlyFans creator and you know he is. But it has to be completely understood that if we have this dinner and you're feeling like, I don't feel a connection, that it will be a no harm, no foul, easy no for you. Yeah, I actually called him on the phone before the date and said, right. oh, I, I just need to make something very, very clear mm -hmm. that I know you have an OnlyFans account. I do, too. If things work out, I'd be very happy to make a video with you. But that is not my goal here. I just want to have an authentic connection. And if we're feeling it, great. But if we're not, I will not be pressured by the need to make content to have sex with someone I don't want to have sex with. Right. So we ended up with that understanding, having dinner with him, and the dinner went really well. Yeah, and Mr. DD is just fantastic. He's gorgeous, great body, um, really engaging, and very chill. So it ended up being a situation where I really did want to have sex with him. Right. And so we were able to make some good content because we were both enthusiastically into it. Yes, and we'll have a link to his OnlyFans site in the show notes. As you know, I'm kind of a defensive person, but I actually know what you mean when you say you were feeling pressure from me. And I think that pressure was overwhelmingly my enthusiasm. And my enthusiasm was not, or at least not only, for the possibility of extra income that could make a difference in our lives, but it was for the sexual aspect of OnlyFans. Some men might say, I don't want you appearing naked for other people to see on the internet. And some men might say, Oh, I'll be your business manager. But other men like me are wildly turned on. And I remember one of the first times we made a content creation decision was the idea of taking a weekend away in Niagara Falls, which is an hour and a half from us. But we rented an Airbnb that had a very attractive appearance with lots of rooms, specifically with the idea that it would provide lots of backdrops for different scenes. And so this was going to be a bit of a working getaway that we were going to take as many pictures and as many videos of you alone, of us together as we could. And on the way, something really fascinating happened. Which was? We stopped by the Niagara Outlet mall oh. <laughs> because you like to shop right but once we got out of the car you had the idea that oh we could make a bit of a flashing video here at the niagara outlet mall right that's and so, before i knew how strict OnlyFans was about public nudity yeah so we're in different stores we're in Saks fifth avenue oh you're undoing your belt and taking your pants down there's your ass oh we're in we're in we're in Bass Pro Shops. Oh, <laughs> so sexy. your top's going up. Well, it is sexy because in these very unsexy environments, for you to do something so so against the rules, I was turned on out of my mind. But then again, so were you. Yeah, it was fun. I, you know, I've always liked being a little bit flirtatious and shocking. So to, you know, scoot into one of those little tents and Bass Pro Shops and start taking my clothes off, knowing that someone could walk by at any moment was pretty thrilling. Yeah. And eventually, did you not masturbate in the Lululemon dressing room? <laughs> I did. I really like Lululemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you also liked the other part of it too, being the naughty girl in the shopping center. So that was really fascinating because I was so turned on coming out of there that we had sex almost right away when we got to our destination. And that was revealing to me. It was like, oh, being on OnlyFans isn't just a commercial endeavor. It's also foreplay. It's a sexual act between you and I, or at least can be in the best case. So that's a whole other dimension. If you and I get into a business together, say we have decided to sell something that you make on Etsy, I'm very unlikely to get turned on by any aspect of that business. Really? But only, yeah, even me, no. <laughs> even with my MBA, you think, oh, that would be arousing, but no. That was very unique to this business and very exciting to me. But I can see also 
how my enthusiasm would feel like pressure because that's how I've succeeded in business by becoming enthusiastic about an idea and creating a reality around that idea through the help and enthusiasm of others. Right. And that same weekend, I discovered another thing that was a turn on for me about this OnlyFans mm. thing, which is it gave us permission to do a little role play. So normally you and I are very self-conscious about talking or about introducing elements of role play because it feels kind of silly and strange and we don't know if we're doing it right. Yeah. I love everything about the idea of role play, except actually doing role play. <laughs> Where it just seems like we cannot convincingly slide into a character without breaking up at the sheer falseness of it. Right. But in that house, there was this cute little bedroom with a little twin bed. And mm -hmm. I had an idea that I found very arousing, mm -hmm. which was, here's little Kate going back to her childhood bedroom. And she, you know, looks at herself in the mirror and takes her clothes off and starts touching herself. And then dad comes in and right. says, oh, Kate... What are you doing in here? You're very beautiful. I would love to take your picture. And so that daddy-daughter role play, which, you know, in my kinky, taboo mind is very sexy. It's very yes. hot. But we've never actually indulged in it because it just feels a little bit too weird for us. But when the cameras are rolling and when you're supposed to come up with a scenario that makes this sex different from your daily sex at home... All of a sudden, you have permission to go into a space that before maybe you wouldn't allow yourself to go into because the cameras are there and you are on stage. You're an actor, kind of. Of course, all our sex is very authentic, but just building that scenario around it and giving ourselves permission to do the role play, I found it super hot. I did too, but it also confronted me with a moral conundrum. So we've written before about the incest fantasy. It's something that most people will not talk about because it's, <laughs> it's like there's so much to lose and not much to gain from talking about this thing, but it's so universal. All you have to do is look at Pornhub search terms. Oh yeah. And stepmother, see, stepfather. Oh, step everybody brothers. has to put the step in there just to get one degree of separation, but yeah. Yeah. And so I was, now having to think about participating in something that while I was imaginatively, personally turned on by it, but I would now be actually enacting it in front of a camera for other people to see. And so I had to really think through that. So we found ways to do it that were more about context than direct reference during the shooting of the video. But I like being in situations where I really have to think through my principles. And so to me, that was another benefit of the whole OnlyFans experiment. We've recently been putting together our travel plans for 2023 and our schedule is already filling up with fantastic events and they're the kind of events we've grown to love. We used to enjoy going to hedonism or desire, but we almost never do that anymore. Now we like to be part of groups whose approach attracts other people like us. So we are traveling with four different groups. First is Naughty Jim, who we're going to go to the Smoky Mountains with in January. Next is Room 77, who we're going to hook up with in Mexico in February. Then we're going to be in Portland with PCAP in May. Which and, is Libertine Events. Right. And then finally, we, the Monogamish Marriage, are going to be leading a trip to Crete in June. So we have launched Sapio Tours. We have a new website, sapiotours.com, specifically for our travel. That's S-A-P-I-O-T-O-U-R-S.com. Am I right? That's right. And we'll also have information about all of these trips on our themonogamishmarriage.com website under upcoming events. You having an OnlyFans account meant that you needed partners on occasion to perform with. Not that you can't perform solo, but you need partners. Well, as every married or committed OnlyFans content creator knows, the handiest co-star is your spouse. And so that meant that I had to go through all the hoops that you went through. Because you can't just get an OnlyFans account and then upload a video. You have to prove your identity and sign off on various waivers. So that meant 
If I was going to be performing on screen with you, I had to do the same thing. So now I had an OnlyFans account. Right. And you had around the same time started your own Twitter account where you were posting daily nude photos of yourself. And you seem to be enjoying the content creation process way more than I do. Right. Like you would wake up every morning and go take some photos where I just feel like, oh my God, I don't want to do my hair and makeup today. Please don't make me take photos. But you love it. Yeah, it was interesting. I saw it as a creative outlet because Twitter is two things. It's images and texts. So I liked creating the images. That was a lot of fun for me. And I had, as we've talked about elsewhere, made changes to my body a couple of years before. So when we did the 30 days of Monterey back in 2018, I cringed at a lot of the pictures. I did not like the way my body looked. But when I went more towards a whole foods diet, my body got tighter and I was happier with it. And also, I'm going to share something here that's potentially embarrassing. I got really good at preparing my cock for presentation visually. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but it's really true. So as every man knows... Your cock isn't one thing. Your cock is, I don't know, 10 different things on a continuum. There's the little cold one and there's the <laughs> full one and there's the floppy one. And I don't know if I'm making you sick telling you about this, <laughs> but it's the reality. So how do you present your best cock in a picture? And I mastered techniques for doing that. So I was having fun on Twitter with this body that I had changed and learned to present better. And I also liked that there was a text part. Because I like to write and I have ideas and I like to share them. So I ended up with this Twitter account that was, as I explained to someone once, it's my deepest thoughts with a picture of a naked man. So completely ridiculous, but it seemed to work and I gathered a bit of a following. Right. And you were spending an extraordinary amount of time every day composing these tweets within an inch of their life and editing those photos. And I thought, hey, Liam, how about you monetize this effort? Because you are putting in an inordinate amount of time in comparison to what you were getting back out of it. Right. So I thought you've got this OnlyFans account. Let's not be that typical sexist, patriarchal couple that says only the woman can make porn. How about you, Liam? Get on there, start doing whatever you want to do and make some money, man. <laughs> well, that whatever you want to do brought up an interesting issue. The first question in anything like this is who would your audience be? So I think for you, it was pretty basic. Horny men who like women over 40. So that's roughly the MILF category. Maybe that's over 30. But anyway, we all know who that audience is and what they want. But for me, it wasn't obvious. So as a bisexual guy, I had kind of three directions I could go. I could go in the straight direction. But you know what the truth is? There is not a large audience of women looking to see pictures of naked men every day. They're out there for sure, but not in volume. So the other option was to go on the buy side and appeal to people who like that versatile approach. And then the other alternative was just to play up completely the same sex side and play to a gay audience. And I say play to not in a calculating sense, but with the idea that I have to present an image or a persona and Deciding on which of those three I would go with would determine what the content would look like, what the voice of the text would sound like. So what did you decide on? Well, I decided that I would bill myself as a bisexual Canadian who's very comfortable with his body. A 61-year-old, well, I was 60 at the time I started, a 60-year-old bisexual Canadian who's very comfortable with his body. But I found over time that it was overwhelmingly gay men who were enthusiastically supporting what I was doing. So what we've come to realize is that there's a big difference in our willingness to create and put out content, which didn't go exactly the way I thought, because I was the one who was reluctant. I'm the one who doesn't love doing my hair and makeup and taking photos. You love that stuff. You're the enthusiastic, let's show the world my cock every day on Twitter guy. I thought you were going to be all over this, but you started your account months ago and you've only put out one video. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so first of all, I have to correct you on let's show everyone my cock. It's so interesting what you learn when you post online because you're seeing numbers. And if I have a picture with my cock in it, the numbers are at this level. And if I show a picture without my cock, it's this level minus 
30 to 50 percent. So it's so you're kind just of a like horror for likes. Well, you, you know don't what? like it's, showing your cock. You just like to get the numbers. You know, this is a bigger issue for our society. What effect social media and numbers and approval has on our um, consciousness, our, on our ability to be happy and how it affects our behavior. So well, how just, it affects your behavior. I think yeah. you are more affected by it. I am not a numbers person. I, I could not tell you from day to day how many followers I have, how many likes I have, how much money I made last month on OnlyFans. I do not follow numbers. I'm not fed by it. I don't care about it. But you are there. I'll bet if I asked you right now, how many followers does Kate have on Twitter? You could probably tell me. Yeah, 4,163. Jesus. Yes. Yeah, so I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if that's right, but it's freaky how into the numbers you are. Yeah. And that's just me. But I'll tell you that young girl who sat in front of us at the Maple Leafs hockey game Ugh, last Tuesday. So obnoxious. With the impeccable makeup and who took, it must have been 200 selfies during the game. She also follows her numbers. I'm not the only one who pays attention to it. I think so you're, you're like that shallow. Exactly. I am a multidimensional <laughs> personality. Go, I share a lot in common, more than I would care to admit with a shallow 18 year old. Okay. So yes. given that, mm -hmm. why are you not on there cranking out videos every other day watching the numbers go up as you make money what's holding you back because i put out a new video every week and i don't love content creation right and i am not fed by the the likes and the dollars in the same way you are so why are you not taking this opportunity to make tons of videos and get lots of likes what's holding you back i would say it's a little bit of discomfort with what's involved so if I make a video, again, I share really personal stuff. If I make a video on OnlyFans, or I should say the one video I've made on OnlyFans is me masturbating to orgasm. So that takes... Pretty standard. Yeah, you could say that. Not pretty standard for me, though. So to do it, there's one significant difference between me and you. And that is I have to be in a state of extreme arousal to sustain an erection and have an orgasm while the cameras are set up and I'm thinking of all of those details. And it's not easy. So that's not the only reason. But I can very casually decide, oh, I'm going to take some pictures this morning, set up the ring light, take the pictures. But making a video requires a bigger commitment. I say that there is some real shame involved, mm -hmm. which obviously pricks my shame, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're ashamed of this, you're the guy who pushed me to get on here in the first place. So if you can't do it, how come you are allowed to listen to your shame and indulge it where, you know, you just want me to get over it and get up there and make those dollars? So how come you get to to not make videos and I have to make videos? Well, I think a lot of your language in there is revealing of what's going on, at least from my perspective. Why do you make me do this? How am I not allowed to say no? And I, of course, have explicitly said lots of times, you should quit OnlyFans if it's not working for you. Now, I understand my enthusiasm can seem a lot like pressure. But if you scrape away those layers, deep down, I believe that you should be free to stop OnlyFans at any moment, and I should too. So I'm doing it in a way that I can feel comfortable with, and I hope you're doing the same. But I get that it looks very unequal, and I get that my enthusiasm for what you do, which is not returned because you don't have particular enthusiasm for what I do. You're not turned on by it, nor should you be. That's not a big deal for me. You won't even let me watch your video. No, but you know, you have a you have the password to my account. You can see anything you want at any time. You must say you're not that interested in seeing what I do. Well, I've seen you masturbate before. It's not a big deal. I've seen you masturbate before, but the idea of you doing it in front of a large group of onlookers turns me on like crazy. That just means we're wired differently. Part of the pressure I feel, yes. right? Because you're so into it. Right. And you talk all the time about how great it is. Mm -hmm. But if I suggest to you, hey, Liam, we have this video that I already sold on my account where there is a threesome with you, me, and another guy, and you are doing your buy thing. You're fucking me, but you're also sucking his cock. You advertise yourself as a buy guy. How about you sell this video on your site and you will not put it up? So what's that about? Okay, so first of all, as I said before, my pressure on you is a pressure of enthusiasm and desire. Which for a pleaser feels like pressure, period. I understand. But your pressure on me, I believe, is about achieving a sort of mutually assured humiliation, like the Cold War nuclear doctrine of mutually assured destruction, where both sides have a matched vulnerability 
are in equal danger of suffering catastrophic loss. So no, I just figure if you're going to ask me to do it, you should be willing to do it too. Right. There shouldn't be a double standard. Right. But I'm actually not asking you to do anything. My honest enthusiasm for what you do is not a request, much less a command, in spite of how it feels to you. And you know what? I'm just less enthusiastic about doing those things myself. And the second factor is that I don't think my gay audience wants to see a woman on my OnlyFans. I can say I'm bisexual because I am, but I think the people who follow me are only interested in half of that equation. So I get how it seems unfair, but it's yeah, just... Yeah, and, and let's also talk about the financial position. So you own a business that mm-hmm. is quite successful and you have a good income. Right. We have never joined our incomes, by the way. <laughs> I... Okay. Yeah, I hope you, you're writing this down at home. <laughs> yeah, because I'm fiercely independent. I want right. to take care of myself. I want to pay my own bills. I want to take care of my own kids. But... I ended up quitting my job. So I started the OnlyFans account in April. It was doing well enough by June when I had to submit my letter of resignation that I thought, okay, this will replace my teaching income. Mm -hmm. So I quit my job. And so now I am solely dependent financially on OnlyFans income. So I don't have the privilege you have of saying, I'm not really comfortable making videos because for me, this is how I pay my bills. My kid is in university. I've got to pay his tuition. So I got to keep going on there and spreading my legs and selling the videos in order to pay the tuition of my kid and to continue to feel like I can stand alone in the world. Like I don't have to go to you and ask for your money. So I feel like there's an inequality in our financial position and therefore in our freedom to follow or listen to our sense of shame. So you feel a little bit ashamed about posting those videos and you don't have to do it because you have a good income coming in from other sources. I feel a little bit ashamed sometimes about some of these videos, but I must post them because I have to pay my bills. So I feel like it's a a pretty major difference between us. It is a major difference. And I don't like it. (laughs) Oh, that's abundantly clear. But that difference doesn't mean that I have to do something to somehow simulate the pressures that you feel you're under. And of course, you know, you're never going to starve. And you know, I would gladly pay for your son's education. But I understand your desire for autonomy, and I get that that registers as pressure. But I don't think me doing the same thing that you do, to the extent that you do, suddenly reduces the level of pressure. It's almost like you'd like me to do it as a gesture of solidarity with you. Could that be true? I believe in equality. And so if you're going to ask me to do something, you have to be willing to do it too. Right. But that's the key. I'm not asking you to do this. My enthusiasm makes you feel like I want you to, and I do want you to, but that is not the same thing as pressuring you to do it, insisting that you do it, or any of those ugly kinds of dynamics that might exist between a couple in our circumstances. Right. (laughs) This happens with us when we record podcasts. We actually were so unguarded, we just share our thoughts and you're privy to it, and that was it. And as often happens, and I think is going to happen again here, there's no real answer or resolution. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I am in charge of me. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to quit OnlyFans, I could. Mm-hmm. I could just become entirely financially dependent on you. Mm-hmm. That would feel bad to me, but I mm-hmm. could do that. I get it. But let's not dwell on the negative. Um, there have been some positives from the OnlyFans experience. One of them was financially, I did well enough in the first couple of months that I could, in fact, quit teaching. Mm -hmm. And so I have had the freedom this semester to stay home and to travel and to spend more time with you. So that's been nice. I thought, though, that like other businesses, you'd start small and then you would grow. Um, But the opposite has actually been true. I have lost subscribers since I started. So I'm now making about half per month what I did at the beginning. And it is nowhere near that 20000 a month that we first fantasized about when we had that initial conversation. So I'm now not making as much as I was as a teacher. So it's a little discouraging. We had a, a setback fairly early on where somebody reached out and said, hey, do you know so-and-so? And And he named my best friend, first and last name. And it freaked me out because I thought, oh my God, this could be a student. It could be another teacher um, because she was a teacher as well. And I 
cut off everyone in Ontario, everyone in our province, because I didn't want to be outed by a potential student. Yeah, I considered that a real act of intimidation. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, if they if they had said, hey, I think I might know you in real life. And I just want you to know that, you know, your secret's safe, but maybe you want to make some changes so that you would be less identifiable. That's what a helpful person does. But this person dropped a bomb and then walked away. Right. So it immediately cut off a fairly significant portion of my subscribers and audience. And um, I kept that in place for a few months. And I was never able to recover the number of subscribers after that. I've also had trouble with some of the promotional avenues. So I was on TikTok for a little while. You know, I was doing a video a day, which was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And, just and they as- were good, by the way. I love them. I watched them on loop. Thank you. There was no lip syncing for me. <laughs> I no. had to tell a story with every video. Yeah, no, you were doing something really creative visually and in terms of narrative. Right. So after a couple of weeks of that, I was just starting to gain some ground. And one of my videos was starting to go big. I was getting like 10,000 views an hour. And I thought, okay, this is it. I'm breaking through. And then they shut my account down entirely. And I restarted and couldn't get the same traction. I tried to go on Reddit and they were talking about karma and I didn't know what the hell was going on. And it was really hard to get on some of these subreddits. And I don't know, the whole thing just seems so overwhelming. And I started to kind of shut down and feel like, I don't know if I want to do this. It's not fun anymore. But then we got a call from Jason. Mm -hmm. And he follows me on OnlyFans. And he's a good friend of ours. We met at PCAP. Mm -hmm. And he's been to our house. And we love his wife. And, And he said, hey, I would love to be in a video with you if you'd like to do that with me. Yes. So all of a sudden, possibilities opened up because... Had you had sex with him before? Mm-hmm. Right. He was someone you were familiar with, and he's very attractive, and and Jason happens to be black. And if you're on OnlyFans, it doesn't take a long time to realize that that problematic concept of the BBC, of the big black cock, is extremely appealing. So we realized if you had sex with Jason on screen, that problematic concept would be a lens through which many or maybe most people would look at it. So we decided to have a conversation with him because the last thing that we want to do with someone about whom we care so much is something that is racially insensitive. Yeah, so I I asked him when I was putting out the first video, how would you feel about using the term BBC in the description? And I said, I don't like the term personally. I don't want to reduce anyone to their race or the size of their cock. I don't feel good about that. But it is a term that people search for. And it would be smart of me to use the term that people will be looking up. And it's important to note that the whole idea of appearing in a video on OnlyFans turned him on a lot. So he recognized that, yes, in that environment, there's going to be more attention for what we've done if we attach that term to it as a hashtag. Right. So I think he felt the same way I did. He said, I also don't like that term, but I Mm -hmm. really do understand it's something people search for. And if you want to use it, go ahead. So I did use it the first time I published the video. And then subsequent times when I've used the video again, I've left that out because I didn't feel good about compromising something I believe strongly in. So that that was interesting. But the encounter with him was really nice because his wife had just had a baby. Right. And she said she would love it if we came and if I could entertain her husband sexually because she was recovering. Right. And so not only do I have a great connection with him, it felt really nice that I had her encouragement and her approval. And afterward, I heard that they watch that video frequently. It's her favorite porn. Um, So I'm going to go back next month because she's requested that we make more. She's right. getting she's getting bored of the two videos. No, she's got. and I think she has a request list too, like certain positions that she would like to see, certain right. camera angles. I think that's great. And for me, that fits my idea of what this OnlyFans adventure can be. Something that enhances our connections. Because if you look at that day, we went out, visited the new baby, held the new baby, talked with mom. And just had a wonderful time that any vanilla couple would recognize as one of the pleasures of life, connecting over the birth of a child. But then that evening, you had crazy sex with Jason, (laughs) 
we were staying in an Airbnb downtown. We filmed the whole scene in the living room that just very spontaneously happened. And I started shooting. And then we decided, you know what? Let's set up in the bedroom and we can do another one because he was good to go. You were good to go. So I'm in setting up the lights and the camera. And then sure enough, I go out into the kitchen. You're having sex again, not for the cameras, <laughs> but just because you can't keep your hands off each other for the 30 foot walk between the living room <laughs> and the bedroom. Yeah, we were, we were all warmed up. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love that there was a genuine attraction there. And I think it comes across in the video that there's a real enthusiasm mm -hmm. for each other. Right. So that was one of the good stories. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some not great stories too. So our good friends, Dominic and Maria, we've known them for five years at least. At least. And they're a fantastic couple, like so smart, so kind-hearted, so incredibly sexual. So we've had an easy friendship with them for a long time. Mm -hmm. We we love hanging out with them socially. We have great sexual chemistry. We've played with them more than anyone else. And so we kind of talked them into by you know, telling them our stories. Again, I think it was our enthusiasm. <laughs> Your enthusiasm. Like, yes, but I think you were enthusiastic too about the possibilities of having co-stars mm. for videos that you would make who live close to us and with whom we feel so much comfort. Right. So they got onto OnlyFans as well, and she was conflicted about it too. So mm -hmm. just like me, she's a very sex-positive person, very comfortable in her skin, very comfortable with swinging and, and kink and all of this stuff. But as soon as she got onto this platform where she felt like sex was her job, right. she became quite uncomfortable. And we, for the first time in our relationship, had some conflict because we were doing content together, but we had different ideas of how we wanted to operate our businesses. And um, so it's one of those times when you can have wonderful friendships, but as soon as you get business or money involved, mm -hmm. it adds at a level of complication that can make things difficult. Right. Yes, I remember um, in my business life, I once hired a guy who... I thought the world of who was one of my very best friends and thought, can you imagine if he comes to work for our company, all the amazing things he can do? And I'm already comfortable with him as a person and the way he makes decisions. And it was a disaster. <laughs> we just did not mesh in a working environment. And so I think we saw a little bit of that with Dominic and Maria. They didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. But just the little expectations that are brought to decisions like, when will we release this video? which edit will we use, et cetera, et cetera, proved to be difficult. So I think we got past that, but it was a trying episode in a relationship that for five years had been completely free of trying episodes. Right. We should just take a second to tell people about the Crete trip because although it's sold out, it is going to be the template for other events that we're organizing. Crete is going to be from June 9th to 16th and we are doing a, a full takeover of a 12-suite villa. We are organizing all the transportation to and from the airport, daily excursions, a private chef for meals for $4,100 US dollars. So for less than what you would pay for hedonism or desire, you can go to Europe. So we have sold this trip out, but of course there's always the potential that someone cancels. So if you're interested in that trip, let us know by emailing us at themonogamishmarriage at gmail.com or by filling in the contact information sheet on our sapiotours.com website. And our vision for future trips is that we are going to take a small curated group of intellectually curious, kind, intelligent, interesting, sex positive people to different European destinations. We're looking ahead at maybe doing the grape harvest in Tuscany. We're looking at Portugal. We're looking at Sicily. So there are lots of possibilities in our future, but the one thing that will link it all together is this idea of culturally and historically interesting places where non-monogamous people can come together and learn things and experience some European culture, but also maybe meet some sexy, like-minded folks. So, one of the things I often ask when I meet other OnlyFans creators is, what kind of messages do you get from the guys? Mm. 
Right, because those messages, that two-way street, is a big part of what those supporters are paying for. And I, I say, guys, it's largely men. Well, for you it is. Actually, yeah. for me it is too, the way it works out. <laughs> and I've gotten good and bad messages. Mm. So at the beginning, I got more messages from people who were kind of pushing me to do things that I wasn't comfortable with. So, like? well, in that first month, I had a guy on there saying, you know, I want to see pictures of you spreading your ass cheeks. Right. I thought it was disgusting. That was a buzzkill for me. Me, who's very enthusiastic about you performing in a sexual way in front of strangers. Yeah. So I've had a few people like that who are kind of insistent on this is what I want to see, and I've paid to be here, so you need to provide me with this content. Right. And because they're so focused and there are no niceties surrounding the request, it's just raw id speaking. Right. It's very, very off-putting. Yeah, and it made me feel even more like a commodity. Like right. I was just being objectified and being told what to do, and I wasn't comfortable with it. And and I, I decided early on, I've got to figure out, am I going to acquiesce and give them what they want and take their money? Or am I going to stand my ground and say, no, this is not what I'm comfortable with? Um, you can find other creators who will do this. And that's ultimately what I did. I sent mm -hmm. him a note and said, I'm sorry, this is as much as I'm comfortable doing. If you want to go find that content, there are lots of other women out there. Go give them your money. But this is what I offer. And so um, he went away and people like him pretty quickly fell off. Um, right. The one thing that I have gotten fairly regularly is people who want to hook up. Right. So they think that because you're on this site and you are selling sexual content, that you are selling your body. Right. And I need to make it super clear, anyone out there listening, that just because I sell videos of me having sex with people does not mean I am for sale right. sexually. And by the way, can I just pause here for a moment to say how insane I find it that at 61 years old, I should be seen as some kind of sex symbol by thousands of followers online? There's kind of a gay daddy archetype that I apparently represent quite effectively. It's surreal. I'm that earnest guy who couldn't generate any level of sexual interest from either sex in high school or university, and who now qualifies for the senior discount at most major retailers. I just wanted to acknowledge the absurdity of the position I find myself in and to maybe encourage the late bloomers out there. Anyway, I often wonder with those people because I get those messages too from guys. So I don't know if my job is to say, by the way, I do not hook up with people that I encounter online. Or if it's my job to say, yeah, that's hot, because in truth, they have no expectation. In fact, they would be shocked if I said, hey, here's my address or here's a bar <laughs> that I go to. I don't go to bars, actually, but in this case, I would say, here's a bar that I go to, and would you like to meet there? I think they might run for the hills, but I don't know. Right. I just don't want there to be any confusion. You know, for your $6 that you pay to subscribe <laughs> here, you cannot buy me right. for that much. You can't even buy me a glass of wine for that much. So no. Right. <laughs> so I don't love that. But there have been some really positive messaging experiences. So I have one guy who's been there from day one who is my, you know, biggest supporter. He mm -hmm. follows me to every platform. He's there on Instagram and Twitter. And he created a TikTok account when I was on there to make sure that he likes and comments on everything. And right. he's lovely. And he's a, a single guy who, for the first few months of our conversations, was at home laid up waiting for back surgery. Mm -hmm. um, so he wasn't working and he wasn't super mobile and he just wanted someone to talk to. And so... I feel like we developed a really nice connection where he would tell me what he did in his day and talk about the physical therapy he was going through and um, he did the countdown for his surgery. And I could just be an ear to listen and an encouraging presence for him and say, you know, I'm sorry you're in so much pain and, and that this has been going on for so long. And I'm sorry you're going through these health issues with your mom. So it's, it's not very sexual. Right. But it's, I feel like I'm providing kind of a girlfriend experience from afar, right. um, just being someone to listen and someone to talk to. Yeah, but not as an act, but by just being a real person with him. Mm -hmm. That's when I've read your messages. That's what I hear coming across. And so I think it's very unconventional. So people would say, ah, don't look to only fans for friendship and support. But I think that's what he got. And the way he expresses his appreciation for you, it seems inarguable 
that you have had a positive impact in his life and have brought some sunshine into a very challenging set of circumstances for him. Yeah. So I like that I can do that as a a compassionate person, as a pleaser. This is something I can definitely do. And for his six or $12 a month, I'm happy to provide that for him. Yeah. And I've had some really interesting notes too, ranging from the crass to the lovely. Like I'll actually read you a couple of examples. So a guy named Dave wrote and said, would you mind sharing which watches you wear? They look very nice on you. I'd love to see them if you don't mind, sexy Liam, smiley face. So that was nice. And a guy named Rick said, you can put that cock in my bum anytime. Winky face. So generous. Yeah. Um, another guy writing from India said, thinking about your head in my lap, running my fingers lightly through your hair, leaning over, I kiss your closed eyelids, give the tip of your nose a nibble and slip my tongue between your lips. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's so sweet. Yeah, it is. And creative. And yeah, I love he everything about that. <laughs> and then there was Jonathan who said, I want that dick, three exclamation marks. Sorry, been drinking. <laughs> so, And those know, are all positives for you? Well, you know what? As a student of human nature, every one of those comments is a positive because I'm seeing how people who are different than me think and how they respond to an image of me on the internet. So I think it's nothing but fascinating. But I guess in conclusion, you know, we've shared a lot of positives and a lot of negatives about our experience, posting pictures online and ultimately leading up to OnlyFans. But if someone came to you saying, should I do this? I want your advice. You've tried it. What have you learned? What would you tell them? I would say unless you're willing to make this your full-time job and you have amazing marketing and tech skills, it's probably not worth the time and energy you're going to put into it. So we started with an existing platform, and even that was not enough to launch me into OnlyFans success. It's a lot of work. It really can be a full-time job. and We know I, people for whom it is a full-time job. Yeah. I don't think that you're going to be guaranteed the success you need in order to justify putting that much time and energy into it. Another thing that makes it hard is you have to get people who are willing to be on camera and right. it's not just willing to make a movie. They also have to submit their ID. They have to sign a release form. So this can scare people off. We have lots of people who want to have sex with us, but not a lot of people who are willing to go to that level of sharing um, in order to help me out. So it's really hard to find people to collaborate with, to make these movies with. And your audience gets tired of seeing you masturbate or you having sex with your husband. So right. it's hard to um, to figure out how to diversify your content. So for me, um, there are some good things and bad things. It's given me some freedom. Had I known that the monetary reward was going to drop off so steeply, I probably wouldn't have retired, though. So I don't know. I would say probably don't do it. Right. But are you ready to give up yet? No. Part of it is I've already invested so much time and energy into this, and mm -hmm. I do have a bit of a following and a bit of an income, and I can't really afford to give up that income at this point. And I don't want to just drop it. I, I'm not a quitter. So I'm going to keep with it. And I've been in touch with a friend of ours whose wife started an OF account a couple months after I did, and they've been tremendously successful. And he reached out to me and said, I could help you be successful. And then I'm going to read his quote. He said, we're going to have to get you to tie half your brain behind your back. Yikes. <laughs> You're out IQing 90% of the market that spends money on quality porn. So I thought that was interesting. And I, you know, of course, I wonder why, like, why can't you be smart and sexual? That's been my whole assertion from the beginning of this. So I guess maybe the fewer thoughts you express or the less personality you show, um, the more you're a blank slate for people. To so project they can, their fantasies. Yeah, exactly. You. you could also be less challenging that way. So if mm -hmm. you don't express any opinions that might be controversial, then people aren't going to be turned off if they disagree with you. So it's easy to like, you know, a pretty empty shell. So maybe I just need to do that. Maybe I just need to like chill out and, you know, not say so many words. <laughs> I think your intelligent approach has made you very successful one-to-one -one in the lifestyle. But when you're trying to do one-to-many, mm. it's a whole different art form and it's taken you some time. And that's almost a completely different challenge. 
Yeah. So I don't know if I'm up to that challenge. Or down to it. Right. So what about you, Liam? As someone who has his own OnlyFans account and has been actively involved in mine, what would you say to that person who wanted to know, is it, is it worth it? If your goals are monetary, and if you're a male who doesn't have tens of thousands of followers on other platforms, then if you want to do it for satisfaction of connecting with other people from being an exhibitionist, then it's fantastic. But if you're expecting to make money and grow a giant following, you're probably going to be frustrated. Okay, so we've come to almost unanimous, don't do it. <laughs> decision that's our conclusion no i think what we said was do it for the right reasons don't do it with expectations that are bound to be disappointed all right you could say that about so many things in life yes you probably could that's why we have a podcast we get to say it about a new subject every month <laughs> okay well liam i love you i love you bye for now bye Thanks so much for listening. If you want to keep in touch between podcasts, you can follow us on Twitter at monogamish1 for our joint account, or you can follow us separately. I am at Kate Monogamish on Twitter. And I am at Landon underscore Liam on Twitter. We're also both on Instagram. We are. And I am under The Monogamish Marriage, or you can just search for Kate Monogamish on Instagram. Or Liam underscore VS underscore time. So that's Liam versus time on Instagram. So that's got to be more of The Monogamish Marriage than you could possibly want. But... If you want to check out our OnlyFans accounts, you can go to OnlyFans.com and search for either Kate Monogamish, all one word, or Liam underscore Landon. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to talking to you again soon.